Hello and welcome to the Chichester Festival Theatre Podcast. We'll be chatting through everything from Festival 2018 to the backstage crew and beyond. I'm George Bailey and I will be your host for this series. Joining me will be a whole bunch of incredible guests in interviews, chats and other fun segments. So sit back, relax and enjoy what we have in store for you. Joining me now, I've got James Graham, whose play Quiz is currently playing at the Noel Coward Theatre, following its sellout run at Chichester Festival Theatre. So, how are you doing today, James? Right? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. It's good. We are in week three of rehearsal. We go to the theatre next week. It's exciting. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, considering we've already done it once before, you'd think I'd be feeling a bit calmer. But um, we we've done quite a bit of adapting of the play text and the script based on the fact of things that we learnt in the Minerva. And the fact that it's a different uh, space, the West End, it's a, a proscenium arch Victorian theatre. And because of the nature of the show, because of the interactive element with an audience, we have to address some of those questions in the script. So I've changed quite a bit around that. But no, I mean, I think everyone's in good spirits and, yeah, it's feeling exciting. That's always good to hear. So is it very different to what audience saw in Chichester? Are things the same? I mean, the, sto- the central story is the same. It's all the same characters, the, s- the same proposition. We look at the story of the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire trial, the three defendants, and we present the case uh, against them and then their defence. Um, so that's the rough same structure. But I think we also... We, I, I learned a lot about... Um, uh, what things to pull back on and what things to pump up a little bit in terms of focus. We've changed the structure a little bit. Uh, little things like um, the uh, we do. There are an interactive elements where we get we, we never bully anybody to do anything they don't want to do. I should warn you, I'm one of those people who doesn't like surprises when I get to the theatre in terms of being pulled up on stage. But we have a few new um, elements. For example, we have um, Keir Charles, one of our great actors. He's playing a a warm-up guy, one of those traditional TV warm-up guys before the show to get the audience going and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, so we're going to learn a lot in the, in the coming uh, coming days in previews. So, um, James, you've currently got this house on tour. Several plays that have recently finished runs in London and now, obviously, we're on to quiz. And I'm coward. Has it always been your intention to be quite so busy? Uh, n- no, I mean, it's never a conscious... It wasn't a conscious decision to have um, those plays running at the same time last year because you can't really... Con- as a writer, you can't really control your time as much as I think as I think people think you you start writing plays years before they hit the stage and you're never quite sure when your theatre is going to produce it or when an audience is going to come so no it was just coincidence really but what I think what does benefit the crazy overlapping of a lot of these shows is they start to kind of speak to each other a bit so I've noticed uh, and a thematic link between a lot of these shows regarding um like populism is a theme that seems to be running through them all. Um, manipulation, audience manipulation, how we're speaking to each other in, in as part of our political discourse. I think these are all weirdly things that are coming across in all the different plays. And what kind of difficulties do you come up against in juggling so much at once? This, your basic life skills, which I'm not, I've never been massively brilliant at, like stocking your fridge and I like it's winter, it's snowing this week and I definitely don't have the winter wardrobe that I should have to keep warm. So, you know, those things, but that's my own stupidity and rubbishness rather than anything else. I think, I think you try and look for the benefits. I think you try and find ways that they can all, as I say, speak to each other, grow with each other, challenge each other as, as works of art um, and cross-contaminate each other in that way. And so, so you went to University of Hull. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I did. I did. Yeah. There's only so much. Very proud of Hull. Good. City um, of Culture, 2017. It's gorgeous. And so you study in drama. Yeah. And 
uh, ending up eventually at the Fimbra and onwards and upwards from there. Have you always been avidly interested in writing or was it kind of something that came to you later? Were you writing as a kid? I was writing as a kid but it wasn't theatre. I didn't really get to see much theatre as a, as a kid or as a teenager. My parents were brilliant. They took me to see the, the Panto every Christmas but um, there wasn't a huge amount of new writing in Mansfield. So, but I had to, I knew I had a creative um, itch to scratch and I did uh, short stories. I did novels not novels as a kid but you know prose but it was when I um started acting in school plays uh, I had a brilliant drama teacher at my, my school in Nottingham and that just gave me a, a taste for theatre and in particular I think the liveness of theatre which I know is always an obvious thing to say but I think you can forget as a playwright that what you're writing isn't literature it's not meant to be read it's meant to be experienced and that the dynamic of the audience in that room on that night on that day will change the play, the things they bring into that room um, and how the, the dynamic of the audience affects the, the, the mood in that room. So it's the, yeah, it's the liveness of a, of a show that's always drawn me towards. And I think, hopefully in a non-gimmicky way, but that's why, for example, in Quiz, in this play, it isn't a straightforward show that happens the same every night. There is an interactive element. An audience gets to vote on the innocence or guilt of the characters, and that does change every night that they get to play some quiz games. We do a pub quiz with the, with the audience. And that it's not just style. That's because I think what we want to talk about as a show, me and Daniel and the team, is the theme of the show is about participation, whether that be as audience members in a TV studio or as jurors in a courtroom or as citizens, voters in a democracy, and how that participation can be can be manipulated or affected by narratives and stories and information and um, things that I think people are talking a lot about, particularly recently. We've just seen a whole load of revelations recently about how data and uh, the use of data on social media was tried to affect um, the outcome of elections and referendums. So I think it's a, it's a theme that we're all really obsessed about at the moment in this country and across the world and hopefully by channeling some of that into the form and the style of a play that in a way unlocks some of that above and beyond just the, the content of what you're writing. And talking about kind of social media and the media, obviously your plays take a lot of influence from kind of politics and the media yeah. um, surrounding us today. Are you always kind of actively searching for your next focus or does it kind of just spring out at you? Um, from yeah, I mean, really you don't have to really seek it out at the moment. There's, yeah. there's a, if anything, there's a bit too much politics going no, on in the world. Much. And it's not like I have to go on a quest to find these stories. They just appear in front of you, in front of all of us all the time. And in a way, it's, it, the harder problem is focusing on what, what, what is your passion what, or what, is your, what thing scares you the most, what, thing, what makes you angry in that moment. Um, and also, you have to protect yourself a bit as well. I don't want to write those kind of plays that feel like issue plays or thematic plays. I don't want to go down a list going, good, I've done gender, I've done sexuality, I've done democracy. Uh, it's, for me, it's about finding a narrative vehicle, a story, a character that you can investigate these things through rather than, rather than beginning with the politics in a way that kind of comes through it as an aftermath in a way. Coming on to new writing, what do you think is key that we speak about with new writing today? And what do you think the kind of power can be behind new writing? In terms of how we produce it? Or yeah, we... well, in terms of effects on audience and impacts on audience kind of thing. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that? I think that the... Well, it's a funny thing. I mean, in this, in this country, in this culture of, of theatre, the 
the author is still presented as, as kind of king or queen. And I think that's exciting in many ways. And I think there are challenges to that in many ways. Um, as an author, as a writer, I've always wanted to be pushed and provoked and challenged by my creative team. I never just expect a theatre, um, a company, just to, to, to uh, honestly represent my script on stage. I generally speaking walk into a rehearsal room with three quarters of the play complete, but with gaps to discover and learn and find things in, in the room with a company of actors and then with an audience, of course. So that's the kind of new writing I enjoy doing. I think if we're going to pretend that our theatre is representative of this country and that it is democratic, then we have huge mountains to climb in terms of who gets the microphone, who gets to write plays. There is There are huge disparities in terms of gender, in terms of race, in terms of region, in terms of class. Uh, I come from a, a working-class background and a, and a regional background outside of London, uh, so I'm proud and pleased to be able to sort of share my stories and my POV on politics and stuff uh, on a mainstream West End stage. But, you know, I'm also a white male, and I think we, that we're that's overrepresented and, and how we um how we get other people to tell their stories is really key because we're all we all lose if if it's not as representative as, as the country is so the challenges in that uh, yeah how we find those voices and how we find audiences for those plays as well being one of the, the kind of spearheads arguably of new writing yourself um i'd imagine it can't have always been kind of an easy ride to get to where you are now um you know no, it's really easy. No, it's totally easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the biggest kind of challenge or difficulty that you faced when, you know, you were kind of way back towards the beginning of your career, you know, just come out of university, things like yeah. that? What was, if you can think at all of any... God, um, yeah, I mean, there's loads. There's, there's um, obviously, there's economic issues in terms of supporting yourself financially. And I didn't come from a family that where I could work for free for five, six years, so mixing work and employment with staying up till two or three in the morning to hit a deadline, that can be tough, but we all, you know, it's a choice that you make. Um, and I'm still luckier than I think some people. Uh, there's the psychological issues. I mean, convincing yourself that you have a right um, to be a writer, that your voice is, is worthy, your stories are worthy enough of being heard when you see such amazing work, such talented people. Um, to push your way into the crowd and go, I want to, I want to capture your attention for a bit, feels presumptuous, and I think there are natural anxieties and insecurities that we all have about doing that, and it's how you, how you overcome that and convince yourself that you have a right to be, um, to take the microphone and to tell your story. It takes time, and you have to have patience, and you can feel really depressed and down about that. I, I didn't have one of those instant breakout moments, those debut moments where you have a play and suddenly everyone notices you. I, I wormed my way in really slowly and quietly doing plays at the Fimbra Theatre for five, six years, just sort of chipping away at that and finding my stuff, the stuff I wanted to do and realising that I wanted to write a certain kind of play, which wasn't massively fashionable at the time, but these political histories and big political canvases. So the patience and tolerance that you have to have to, to keep going over five, ten years before you start to find an audience and find stages to produce your work... Yeah, all those kind of things. So now coming on to kind of new writers coming up now. Yeah. Do you think that their challenges are, and the things facing them as they come up, are ever changing with the kind of society of theatre, you know, and the, um, the industry kind of changing 
uh, and ever growing? Or do you think they all face similar kind of challenges as they come up? I know obviously it'll be different yeah. for individuals, but... That's a good question. I mean, I suppose that the, the same and different. Then they'll face the same creative, economic, emotional um, industry challenges that, that every writer faces when they're first starting out. Um, there is an oversaturation of, of scripts and plays that get sent to literary departments and theatres across the country. So how you find your voice and how you stand out is uh, the same challenge, I guess, as it was 40 years ago. Um, I, and, you know, just finding your own unique voice that's true to yourself and, and what you authentically want to write about in a, in a style that represents what you want to see on stage. But I guess there are, yes, there are new challenges. There are differences because... Um, whether it be I, I wouldn't be sat here rehearsing a play for the West End if it weren't for the arts education I got in my state school and we know statistically that that's diminishing massively there's less time, money and resources for arts in schools um, less ability to take kids to see plays so even just getting through that first barrier that first hurdle, accessing art it being part of your life and you having the psychological um, awareness that you are, you can make it as well as just receive it, I think is a huge challenge and that's only going to get worse as well. So yeah, same and different in equal measure probably. And so final question for you James, coming up right here. What would be James Graham's three top tips for either new writers or young writers? Uh, drink, drugs, no. Uh, <laughs> top three tips. For, uh, I guess I always, these are all really obvious, sorry, but I always say reading scripts is really, really, really helpful. And I think you probably don't read as many scripts as you think you do if you're starting out. And, you know, it can be tough because that costs money. But I think um, when you go and see a play, the play scripts are often on sale for sometimes two, three quid. And I think it's worth making that investment because it's a great... Um, it's a great method, I think, to watch somebody, a writer... Um, have their work on stage, see how the company produced it, but then go back to the text and see what the format was that they, they put down on paper to translate their intention to the director and to the actors. It's like looking at a, a car manual as you try and work out how to fix an engine. I think that's really exciting. So read, read, read. Um, I would say number two, don't panic and don't get yourself into a into a mental state whereby you think I must have a play on in the, at the National within the next 12 months, otherwise I'm a failure, except that it might, it might for the majority of people, take some time. And that can be great as well because some people take, need time. I needed time before I was thrust into the spotlight to kind of find my thing and my confidence. So just enjoy that. Don't, don't panic and um, take your time. Don't send off plays before they're ready. Let them gestate, do a draft, put it away, come back a couple of weeks later, look at it again. So take your time. And then number three, oh God, number three, um, don't, don't be swayed by what you think is fashionable or what the zeitgeist is at the moment. Don't try and chase that. Uh, just try and unlock what is your perfect kind of theatre and create that instead. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's Thank been you. so good talking to you. Best of luck for quiz, Noel Coward. 31st of March. That is right. Until uh, previews the... until the end of June. I'll look that up. <laughs> uh, but no, thank you. You can find it all online. And yeah, thank you so much, James. You're welcome. Cheers. You have been listening to the Chichester Festival Theatre Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please do follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. <laughs>